Hey there, it's Amy. Welcome to TripCast, encouragement with heart, humor, and a little sarcasm. Today, I have a friend with me that has quite the story, actually. <laughs> um, this is Maria. Say hi, Maria. Hello. And Maria is one of those people that you meet her and you immediately love her. Oh, or maybe you, you hate her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Maria the moment I met her. She's very warm and inviting and friendly and has a beautiful smile. And she has a crazy, crazy story about life. Yeah. So much craziness in your life. So much. <laughs> okay. So what I wanted to talk about today is a story that Maria told me over breakfast last week. It was one of those stories when you hear it, your heart both breaks and soars. It's Mm -hmm. got both elements to it, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think a lot of us can probably identify with because that's probably where a lot of us come from. Yeah. Brokenness into healing. And so I asked Maria if she would mind sharing that story with you guys today because I think that there is a whole lot of amazing things that happen in this story. So I'm just going to jump in and let you share your story and just let you go for it. So so I'm going to talk about how I came into a relationship with God. Sure. So. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the story is yours because. to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, right, my, my parents were very religious people. Mm-hmm. And through my story, I became very rebellious against organized religion against my parents telling me anything about the Bible. I would not never allow my mother to read the Bible to me. I was just immediately like defensive, turn it off, like that right. kind of stuff. And okay. you know, I have a really tough story. There's a, a lot of reasons behind that. Right. And so um, I walked in a lot of darkness for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I was alone. Okay. And... I learned to be alone, and I I learned, I let that be okay. Yeah. I think what surprised me about your story, you guys are going to hear this, I'm not trying to interrupt here, but what surprised me is how young you were mm-hmm. at this point. It wasn't yeah. like you're, you know, 65, and you're like, yeah, I was, I was really hard against mm-hmm. re- religion in general because of 50 years of, I mean, it was a really short amount of time. Like, you were young. I was very young, yeah. Whenever so you kind of developed this sort of wall against religion or God yeah. or, you know, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, so being, being 15, actually being 14 mm-hmm. at the time when I was put into an arranged relationship, I can't say it was a marriage because I was too young to get married. Right. If I had been able to marry... I think my parents would have had me get married at that age. Wow. So that being one of the hardest things I had done, and not the first time that they had given me away. Wow. So the first time I was 13, the second time I was 14. Unbelievable. Um, And so 14 years old, found myself pregnant for the first time with a person who was just as reluctant to be in a relationship with me as I was to be with him. Mm-hmm. I had a baby on my own. Uh, he he skipped, right? He Of course, left. that was, <laughs> you know, and difficult. I couldn't even, I can't even hate him. Right. I can't even be mad at him for it because neither one of us wanted to be together. Yeah. You know, and so 
he left and that was a very painful time in my life and I couldn't understand and I had a lot of pressure that, you know, I should have a family together, that my children needed a father, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so, right. and at the same time, you know, trying to understand how I'm supposed to navigate through this because it was not a decision that I made on my own. Right, right. Um, it was basically a situation you were put in and it's like, now yeah. deal with it. But then, yeah, but now deal with it. <laughs> But, you know, like I needed more support right. that I didn't have. Right. So it's very confusing. I'm in my 40s now and I still don't understand my parents' reasoning for right. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Then I had another child at the age of 17 and had both of my children by the time I was 18 years old. When I had my first daughter, I had more support from my parents after a while. But when I got pregnant with my second one, they were like, hands up. We're not going to continue to help you or support you in any way. (laughs) And then you think that this is going to be the way to go about life and you're going to have like all these children and you're never going to be responsible for them. Because the second time I, when I, so when I was put in the, in the relationship in the first place, it was because my parents thought I was promiscuous. Okay. So that's how I found myself in that. The second time was because I was manipulated by this person who made me believe that they wanted a relationship with myself and my daughter, Mm -hmm. and I ended up in a one-night stand kind of situation with him, Okay. and how I got pregnant with my second one. Yeah. So my second one, I was all alone. Right. And so when my parents found out, they they assumed that there was some type of relationship that was happening behind their back rather than just a mistake that I had made. Right. But talk about abandonment, like that feeling coming up, not only from these men. Yeah. And quote unquote relationships at some point. Yeah. But even your parents. Yeah. So I can understand why you would, you would want that protection, like the walls to come up and be like, I I don't. No way. I don't want anything extra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and because they told me that the reason why they were doing this beginning when I, when they were putting me in this relationship, when they thought that I was promiscuous was because for religious reasons, you can't just go around to be with anybody. If you're going to be, if you're, if you're going to lay with a man that that's the man you're going to marry kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, like at 14, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. But I was all alone. I was homeless. By Mm -hmm. the time I was 17, when I had my daughter, I was homeless. And one of the things about being pregnant as a minor is that you have the government support when you're pregnant. You're considered an adult while you're pregnant. And so they will help you with like food stamps and welfare and Medi-Cal and all those types of things. But as soon as you have the baby, you're no longer an adult. (sighs) Now you're back to being a minor and my parents' responsibility. It's really confusing. It's yeah. The way it's set up is really messed up. Yeah. The more at risk I have been working with, the m- more I understand why these girls end up putting their babies in these fire stations and leaving them behind and things right. like that. Because you right. don't really r- realize the impact or what's coming for you if you are a minor having a child without any kind of support. Wow. So I found myself in that situation. But thankfully, I I turned 18 soon after. So I had my daughter in June, and then I turned 18 in September. Okay. So I was homeless for a little while before I was able to get onto the homeless assistance program. Okay. Through the welfare. It's like a a once-in-a-lifetime thing that they do. do. You can only access it once in your lifetime. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. And so (laughs) they put you in a... 
they put you in temporary housing until they can get you more permanent housing. Okay. So they had me living in a motel on Blackstone for a while with, with my girls. It was a really tough time for me. I was robbed by the maids. Oh my goodness. They stole like my hot plate, like <sighs> what I was using to like just the few small just items the that were yours that I had. <sighs> Like, they stole those things from me. So it was it was the beginning to an end. You know what I mean? Right, like right. From the motel, after the robbery, the social worker that I was working with, she helped me get into, she kind of expedited my way into an apartment because okay. of that. Right. So they got me into an apartment over on Shaw and Fresno area. Okay. And so... I lived there um, with my two girls. At that time, the girls were, my, the youngest was under one, right? She was an infant. She was probably like six months on this day that I'm going to talk about. Okay. And so then her sister was about two and a half, something like that. Little okay. ones. Yeah, for sure. Maybe three. I think she could have been around that age. I had to do certain things in order to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. Um, Welfare just didn't cover everything for me. I often ran out of food, often ran out of milk. My daughter would run out of milk all the time. Um, A lot of time I would find myself putting Kool-Aid in her bottle. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes I would run out of Kool-Aid and she would only have water. Yeah. So you were basically like just barely making it moment by moment. Sometimes I, I can't even claim that I was barely making it. I'm telling you, sometimes I wasn't making it. Yeah. And th- back then there was no cell phones. That's not, that was not even a thing. Right. You would have to have a landline in order to call out or you'd have to walk to a store to use a payphone. Yep. And there wasn't a lot I could do. There was not a lot of people I could call on. Yeah. Um, you know, my best friend at the time, she was in high school. Yeah. What is she going to do? How is she supposed to support you? (laughs) So, you know, it was, it was a really difficult time in my life. And one particular day that really stands out that you found kind of interesting Mm -hmm. about my story, I ran out of everything. I had nothing, Um, but some saltine crackers and water. And (laughs) I had $3 to my name. And I had to make a decision to use those $3 to go and buy some milk, which I could afford a gallon of milk with $3, or I can save the $3 and take the bus across town to Orange and Butler. There was a plasma bank there, and I can sell my blood, and I can make $19. So I had to make that decision that night. Well, that night, the best decision for me was to save that $3 and get 19 because with $19, I can buy a gallon of milk. I could buy some eggs, some bread. Right. You know, things. you can all have something to eat so then we would as have, opposed to just milk. Right. Right. And hopefully get me to the next time I got food stamps. Right. You know, and so that's just how I lived. Yeah. I lived, you know, just one day to another trying to figure out how I was going to make it work. And sometimes it was great. And sometimes, you know, at the, on the first of the month, it was great. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) But, and something you had mentioned when we had that conversation last week was you had to learn money, like budgeting. You didn't, nobody sat down with you and said, hey, here's how you should budget your money out because the end of the month is going to come around at some point. 
you know? Right. And I, and I did, I learned, and I like to use the word ration. Yeah. I learned to ration right. my food because it was a hard lesson to learn. I didn't understand it. Right. I didn't know. And a lot of things like that, you don't know that you don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you There's don't. the quote of the day. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I decided to take that $3 and I was going to take the bus the next day. So Catherine had a hard night. That's my, that was my infant, my six, year, six month old. Her name was Catherine. She had a really tough night, you know, and she was crying and crying and she really wanted milk. And there was times that she would fall asleep, but then she would only sleep for an hour or two. And then she was up screaming again, you know, right, and right. I would give her her bottle and she would just take that bottle and just throw it. Yeah. Like she was so frustrated. This is with not what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was so stressed out. Her older sister, Angelica, she was she was always more mature than she needed to be, you know, and she was trying to comfort her sister too. And yeah. you know, we're just trying to do whatever we could, you know, the three of us together and just it was it was so hard. Yeah. So as soon as the buses started running in the morning, that's when we were getting ready to go. Because we had already been up all night, right. you know, and it was gonna be a long ride. Um, I had a double stroller. It was such a blessing to have yeah. back then. Um, I packed it up. I got my saltine crackers because that's all that I had. And I, you know, filled up a couple of empty bottles of water with tap water. And I put those in a diaper bag along with, you know, whatever diapers and wipes or whatever, you know, I needed for the trip. And I got all that stuff together and I hung that diaper bag on the on the handle of the stroller and I put Angelica in the back, and I put in, put her sister in the front. I always had to put them like that, because if I put the baby in the back, she'd pull her sister's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Typical sisters. Yeah. <laughs> so I put them in the stroller. I got all their stuff. I double-checked, made sure I had everything that I, that I could possibly think of, and we headed out. And um, we got on the bus, and, you know, we have to transfer and do all this kind of stuff, and it's always really hard, and... Yes. You know, the stroller is very heavy, and then I have, you know, the baby in one arm, and I'm carrying the stroller in the other arm, and I have to have this other little one on, you yeah. know, trying to tug, a, grab her, and, and get and where And salting crackers aren't exactly, you know, a nutritional balanced yeah. diet if that's no. all you've had to eat. Also, you know, you yeah. get weary, tired, trying yeah. to pack everything. I can only imagine. It's, it's a horrible image in my head, but I yeah. see it all the time, though. Like and with you know young what? moms. And I've told this story before and I never put that, I never even thought about that. I don't know when the last time was that I had eaten. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because your mind is your kids. Yeah. You know, how can I take care of my daughters? Yeah. And I never thought about that till just now, but I don't remember when I had eaten last. Um, but we got on the, we got on the bus, we headed over, there's transfers. It was very tiring by the time we got there, you know. It was something that I did often, so I knew the lady in the front. And so they don't allow you to do it. Like, you can't go do it every day. Like, right. there's, like, a time period you have to wait. And let me tell you, on my calendar, like, I knew <laughs> what days I could go back. Yeah. Because that's how I made some money. Right. Of course. So I walk in. The lady's there. She's She recognizes me. She smiles and she greets me, you know. And I'm just like, hi, you know, trying to get my kids through this, this long stroller through this door <laughs> and whatever, you know, and I kind of pushed through and it was a, it was a ugly day, really gloomy. It was cold. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I push the stroller in and I walk up to her and she's just asking me how I'm doing and just telling her about, oh, I've had a hard night. The baby's been crying all night, that kind of small talk, whatever, as I go through my bag to grab my wallet to get my ID because you have to have an ID in order to do that. Yes. And so I look through and I'm just talking to her and I'm kind of winded and looking through and I'm not finding it. Oh, no. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did I forget it? And so, like, I take everything out. Like, I put the diaper bag on the floor and I, like, take everything out. yeah. And it's not in there. And I can imagine panic setting in. Oh, my God. (sighs) I have no money now. I've used $3 to get there. To get there, right. So I'm I'm looking at her, and I just, I don't know what to say, and I'm like, I forgot it. Like, and I'm looking at her like, can you please just see me without yeah. it anyway? Like, like, you see my situation. And like, you know I'm who I am. Yeah, and You've been, been in there multiple times. Yeah, and she was like, I'm so sorry. <sighs> but I can't, I can't. Like, it's our policy. Mm. I have to have your ID. And I was just, I was like, okay, you know, I understand. And I put all yeah. my stuff back and I got my kids ready to go. And she was so like, her face, like I could still see her face. Yeah. Like hurt. Like she was hurt for me. Like right. she knew. Like, right. You know, but there was nothing she could do. And I walked out and like, and I, and I get emotional every time I think about this part because like I can remember like the feeling that I had when I walked out. Yeah. Just not knowing what to do. Yeah. Like I didn't even have a quarter to put in the telephone. To call anybody. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have anything. Like I had nothing. And so I just started walking. Like what choice did I have? Like I can't just camp out here. Right. Part of it, like, just being embarrassed that I had gone to this place and, you know, now I'm, like, I don't have my ID, so, like, I just, I'm walking away and, like, what can I do but just keep walking? Right, right. And so I, that's what I did. I walked. I walked from Butler and Orange to Shaw and Fresno. Like, I walked home. It took me all day. (sighs) Miles and miles. It's so far. Miles. <laughs> yeah. It's so far. And it, of course, it started to rain. Of course it did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't go inside of a store because I had no money and I knew my children were hungry and I knew that they were going to want something. Because even to go into a clothing store or yeah. something, there's a chance that there's a candy bar at the register or whatever, you know? Yep. So I didn't go into any store for fear that my kids would want something that I couldn't provide for them. So I found little eaves on the side of the buildings that we would stop under when it would rain real hard or, you know, whatever. Sometimes I just kept walking through the rain if it wasn't, like, too bad because the double stroller had the double kind of the covers and the kids had blankets and all of that kind of stuff. I was just walking and walking, like, all day. And my feet... They were blistered. Yeah. I had I had blisters the side of size of quarters on my feet. <sighs> Probably by the time I was like halfway home. <laughs> so I had to walk ha- the other half with my feet. They hurt so bad and I couldn't think of anything that I could do to help right. my situation. Yeah. I couldn't think of anyone that I could even if I found a quarter on the ground like 
who, who, who are you going to call? I didn't have anyone to call. My friends were high schoolers. They didn't have cars. Yeah. You know, couldn't call and ask for a ride. At that time, if I called my parents, they were seldom to answer anyway. Right. You know, so I just didn't have... I couldn't think of anybody that I could call if I could. Yeah. So I just kept walking. And I started to think to myself, like, that I have all of my incapabilities. I started wondering if children could be placed for adoption at what age. Yeah. Do they only accept newborns? Would they take my two-and-a-half-year-old? Yeah. You know, because I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, I have failed. So basically, like, the bottom of the mountain that is in front of you, and you just, there's nothing. There's no, you don't see any way out. No, there is no way out. Like, there, I just, I can't get a job. Yeah. I was uneducated. I didn't finish high school. I have failed. I have failed. I failed my parents. Yeah. You know, um, I failed my children. And I can imagine just despair. Yeah. Setting in. Like, this is it. I'm hopeless. I'm going home with babies who are hungry. Yep. Where I know there is absolutely no food in my refrigerator. I know that I cannot get my daughter any milk. Yeah. I know... I know that we're going to be hungry today and tomorrow and every day until the first of the month, which was about a week away. Wow. And I was, I was at the lowest point I've, I was ever in my life. I've never been this low since then, but it was horrible. I couldn't bear the thought of if they did accept my children for adoption like how am I gonna live like yeah because then if I put my children up for adoption like what if they were unhappy right what if they were uncared for what if they missed what if they missed me yeah you know yeah and I just had I just I I had no hope yeah to make anything better yeah for them and so I thought to myself well I will never be able to live through it like yeah. I could never live through it right so then I'll have to die that's that's the only thing that made sense yeah. is if I died then my children would have to be placed and then I wouldn't be there for them to miss or for me to worry. Right. So my one, two, three, no take backs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, it right. was a sure plan. Like, yeah. this was what I needed to do. Yeah. And so as I walked this day, I thought about many different ways of ending my own life. Right. And I wanted to make sure that however it ended was nothing that was going to burden them. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't going to be anything dramatic. Yeah. It wasn't going to be anything traumatic that they were going to 
remember finding mom in a pool of blood right, right. or something like that. I didn't want anything like that. Yeah. So you're basically trying to spitball <laughs> how you can have a selfless suicide. Yeah. How can you do something that is so selfless that they never have any repercussions from, from your choice? Right. So I came up with the plan. Like I said, my best friend at the time was in high school. And so I came up with a plan to invite her over for, you know, spend the night with me. And then I was going to take pills Mm -hmm. before bed. And then she would be there in the morning morning to make sure that they were okay because she loved my babies. Yeah. And I would know that I would also be okay because she loved me, you know? Yeah. And I feel so bad that I would ever even put her in that situation. Yeah. But um, I had this whole plan. I knew exactly how it was going to go and how I was going to make that happen. And I'm walking and I'm in pain and I'm tired. Like, you can't even understand, <laughs> like, how tired I am. I yeah. don't even know how I had continued to put... Like one foot just in front of the going, other. Keep going. You know, yeah. it's just kind of like a body in motion kind of thing. Right. And and then and then, you know, it starts to rain, you know, pretty hard and there's this intersection that becomes flooded. When I get up to the intersection, there is water all the <laughs> way across the road over on top of the sidewalk going in both ways. Yeah. And I'm just like, God <laughs> can this day Get any worse. Anything else. Anything. (laughs) Can you think of anything else? And so I stopped the stroller and I'm just, and I don't know why I walked all the way to the puddle because I'm just thinking about that right now because I knew it was coming. I mean, maybe I was just thinking there was a way to get around it to the left maybe because there was buildings here. I don't know. Yeah. I walk all the way up to the puddle. Yeah. And I don't see a way. I mean, I don't see a way. And so I'm just like, oh, and I'm from Kerman. I was born and raised here. So living in Fresno, that was a culture shock on its own. I just yeah. want you to understand that yeah. I was very afraid of crossing big, busy streets. Right. So for those that are listening, Kerman is a very small rural town. We're yeah. a farming community. <laughs> yeah. We just got like more stoplights, what, a couple years <laughs> a ago. A couple years ago. <laughs> Fresno is huge. Lots and lots of people It's a scary place to be if you have lived in a farming community your whole life. Yeah. It is not a place where you're comfortable being and being so young and being in a situation where you're so desperate. Yeah. And I was like, not going to jaywalk on Fresno Street. It's like such a busy street. Yes. So I turn myself away and I'm looking away from my stroller and I, I'm just trying to figure out how am I going to cross? Like, how am I going to get around? Yeah. Because even if I go and down to the light and I go to the other side of the street, it's flooded. It's all flooded the all the way across. across. So I'm like. This was like your Moses moment. <laughs> right? <laughs> the water's in front of you and there's no options. Yeah. And so I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to go around the block. And a city block. Yeah. That's a long way. Right. And so I'm just thinking to myself, at this point, I had, I just, I just want to throw myself in front of one of these cars that are coming. Yeah. Like, 
I'm just done. 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 And the next thing I know, my older daughter wiggled her way out. Right? You didn't think things could get worse. Yeah. Oh, they can. (laughs) Wiggled her way out and into the dang puddle. Oh, my God. So I hear her. Like, just, you know, I hear the puddle, and then I'm just like, I turn around, and I look at her, and she is just going to town. <laughs> this is like, this is like the mother of all puddles she's ever jumped in. She's so excited, and she's, she's ju- playing and laughing in this puddle, and I have nothing, nothing. I cannot be angry. No. Like, I can't run and go get her. Like, I have no will to do anything. I just turn around and I'm just like, oh. Really? Like, it's one of those moments. How many moms can probably raise their hand right now and be like, yep, I've had those moments (laughs) where I'm just like putting my hands up. Are you kidding me? Serious? (laughs) Like, really? Right now? I'm trying to, like, keep you as dry as possible and now you're in this puddle. Right. And I just... I just said, you know, to myself, but out loud, I said, God, why can't I see things through her perspective? Yeah. Was I expecting God to talk back? No. (laughs) (laughs) It was a rhetorical kind of thing, you know? Yep. So, but then I, I had this, this feeling come over me and a very clear message come on to me. Mm Mm-hmm. You can. That's all. Those two words changed my life. Yeah. And so I'm looking over at Angelica. She's just having so much fun. And again, I just want to say this part of my story again, because I was just like, God, why can't I see things through her perspective? Yeah, and she's having a great time. She's having a great time. She's like in the middle of the rainstorm. She's playing in the puddles. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I'm walking to my suicide. Yeah. And she's playing in a freaking puddle. (laughs) Laughing. Having a great time. (sighs) You know? And I'm just like, why? Why can't I be that? Why can't I see that? Why can't I see through her eyes yeah that joy that's just yeah almost like natural for a little kid you know yeah her day was not bad no she got out of the house all day she was in the rain (laughs) mom took a long walk yeah (laughs) you got a bus ride broccoli none of that (laughs) she got crackers like this was a good day yeah you know and you know she she has no idea right and i hear that i hear that message so loud and clear and for years, years, I never admitted that I heard God speak to me. Never. Ever. Did you, did, why? What was, your, what was your, your fear, I guess? Well, because I was so rebellious against religion in the first place. <laughs> I had to, would have had to admit I was wrong. <laughs> Ooh, we don't want to do that. <laughs> That's like the first reason. <laughs> You know, and secondly, I don't want anybody thinking I was crazy. Yeah. You know, like. They're like, you're just delirious, hon. You probably haven't eaten. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so when I heard that, that this feeling came over me of just like, like this epiphany, like, "Ah, I can, 
Yeah. Like, it is up to me. Like, I can make that choice right now of yeah. how I feel about this situation. Like, yep. I can't, like, to go from a, a moment, like, the most desperate, hopeless moment in my life. Yeah. Feeling like I was, I could just throw myself in front of the next oncoming car and be, just be done. Yeah. To having the whole change of attitude toward my life, toward my motherhood, toward my, you know, everything. Yeah. Changed in that moment. Yeah. Two words. In two words. <laughs> you can. And so I chose to. Yeah. And so with my blisters on my feet. And with the same, like, hopelessness, right? Yeah, your situation didn't change. Yeah. (laughs) I chose to jump in that puddle with her. (laughs) Now people probably thought you were a lunatic. (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? And maybe I went mad for just that moment. I don't know. But you know what? Everything changed for me. Yeah. And so we jumped in the puddle, and, and instead of looking for a way around the puddle... I walked through the puddle. And do you know that walking through that puddle, my feet, oh, like the comfort of the cold water yeah. on my feet, like I was so grateful for that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I walked through and I was just like, this puddle, this puddle that was an obstacle is now the biggest comfort I've had all day. Yeah. It's almost like God just put it right there for you, huh? Yeah. Like he was like, you know what? I'm going to talk to you, but you're going to need this too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and you just, you don't know. Like you don't know how God is working in your life. Right. You can't see exactly what his plan is. I looked at the puddle and I would have never thought that that puddle was placed there for my benefit. Right. But I had to trust in God and what he said at that moment. Yeah. That's amazing. That like the whole story is amazing to me and I just it to me it makes me think of there's always joy in the journey. There's always joy somewhere in the journey. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for the next big thing. And like you said, your situation didn't change. Like no. in that instant, you weren't going to go home and automatically and just my magically wasn't be full of food. Yeah. Right. You were you still had no money in your pocket. Still had no milk. <laughs> Still had no milk. Your kids were probably still going to be hungry. You were still hungry, frustrated, wet, you know, still raining. Yep. The situation didn't change, but joy changed your whole outlook. Like that, that moment of being able to, here's what it is. And I can choose to have a crappy attitude and I can still be mad and angry and shake my fist at God. Or I can listen to those two words. That, to me, that's just, that's amazing to me. Like, the way that God will step into our situation. Like, he meets us where we are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward you just a little bit. So you get home, and you have this friend that you made, right? Yeah. In your apartment area. mm -hmm. Neighborhood, I guess. Well, with her, with Terry, Terry was a friend... Of a friend <laughs> that was a friend to my cousin. Oh my goodness. This <laughs> sounds like my grandma's aunt's uncle's yeah. dog's best friend. <laughs> so Terry 
was okay. So my cousin Cynthia had had a friend named Melanie who had a friend named Terry. I don't know why Terry took a liking to me. I don't know. And well, you're a likable person, so I can understand. <laughs> I can understand why. You know, at, and that at that time I had nothing. Right. I had nothing to offer anyone. Right. You know, but she would come around, and she had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. And she would come around to my home every once in a while, and she would come and check on me. Yeah. And back then there was no cell phones. There was no, I did not have a landline. I could not afford a So phone. it was just like, pop so up, she would here just she is. Pop up, you know, <laughs> whenever. And so I, I pushed my stroller, and so I lived off of, Sean Fresno and Sean Fresno was actually the intersection that was flooded. So mm-hmm. I didn't have much more to walk. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get out of the puddle, we get across the street, you know, and I get home and I'm just so glad to be home. And my apartment was kind of in the back of the apartment complex. And so I'm walking down, you know, the little road and I make a, a right into the little corridor for my apartment. And there's Terry standing, waiting at the door. <laughs> I don't know how long she'd been waiting there, you know? I had been gone all day. I mean, she maybe she had just got there. I never yeah. did ask her, <laughs> how long have you been here? Anyway, when I see her, I just, I just knew it was going to be okay because Terry, whenever Terry would come around, she would always, like, bring us food. Mm-hmm. Or if I needed milk, she'd go get me milk. But one time, one time... This was past this point. I got a car, and I got a flat tire, and Terry came out, and she took my tire off, and she took it to a shop, and she had a a used tire put on, brought it back, and then didn't charge me anything. Wow. You know, she was just a good person, always looking out for me, whatever she could do, and Terry didn't have a lot. She was on food stamps, too. Yeah. You know, she didn't have a ton to give me, but she would anyway. Yeah. And so this day, I walk up and there's Terry. And I just walk up to her and I just hug her so tight. Yeah. And I know that I don't have to ask her for anything because I know that Terry's come to to see what I needed. Yeah. And so, you know, I open the door, we get in, and she's just like, oh my gosh, the babies, they're soaked, you know? And I'm just <laughs> like, I know. No so kidding. <laughs> she helps me with the kids while I peel my socks off Ugh. of my blistered feet. Yes. And she's just horrified when she sees my feet and the condition of me. Yeah. And, you know, she helps me change my girls and, you know, they're all dry now and Catherine's still crying and hungry and I'm telling her, you know, I haven't had milk and she hasn't had anything to eat and, you know, whatever. And so Terry says, oh my gosh, well, make me a list. What do you need? <laughs> And so I make Terry a list, you know, bread, eggs, milk, you know, just a few things. Right. And of course she doesn't follow my list. (laughs) She just goes to the store. Later on, I found out that she can't read. (laughs) She's like, I can't tell what this list is, so I'm just going to buy everything. (laughs) Get all the things. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, so she has dyslexia. So anyway, she has a tro- in trouble, you know, with her, whatever. So anyway, she goes to the store. She comes back, and she must have bought me $100 worth of groceries. Yeah. And I survived that week. 
Yeah. And that's when I learned to ration my food. Yeah. Um, I, you know, made sure that I took really good care of what Terry had bought and made sure that, you know, I didn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a better cook. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned how to do, like, serving sizes to make sure that we were all okay. Right. And I told Terry, you know, when she came back with all that food, I, I asked her, I said, I said, how can I ever repay you? Like, I have nothing to, I have nothing. And, and Terry told me, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. He says, one day I'm going to need it. And that day, just be there for me. Yeah. And I agreed. And I kept that promise all of my life. Yeah. Terry has been around and she has struggled with substance abuse for mm-hmm. many years and I would always be there for Terry. Yeah. She found her way to me um, again about six years ago and she said, I really need you. I need your help. I need to get sober. I need a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, as long as I have a roof over my head, so do you. And so she came to live with me, and she got sober. That's awesome. Yeah. She, I helped her because she um, is not, she can't read, you know, so Mm -hmm. I helped her study for her DMV test. And she failed several, several times, but we got there. Mm-hmm. Didn't let her give up. <laughs> she got her driver's license for the first time in her life. Awesome. Yeah. She now it has her first apartment she's ever owned on her own. Like, you know, not owned, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. rented on her own because she's always lived with people all of her life, you know, her significant yeah. others and whatnot. So she's never been independent. Yeah. And so... She got her first car under her name. Wow. She got her apartment. She has her driver's license. It's all going great for Terry. That is wonderful. Um, You know, it's beautiful. I told her the other day, I was like, you're 54, but I feel like I kind of like, you know, raised you up a little bit here. I said, I don't know if I'm really ready for you to go. (laughs) She laughs, but it's great, you know. And so she was there for me at a time where I had no one. And, and I was blessed with the opportunity to be there for her yeah. at time when she had no one. Yeah. So it's been a beautiful life and a beautiful journey. Yeah. Um, for the both of us, all the way to be here now as the executive director of Kerma Care Center. Which is actually the segue here into this quick little bump of Kerman Care Center. It's a pregnancy crisis center, but it also helps young families, young women and men who come in and they need that extra love. Mm -hmm. They need somebody to care. Mm -hmm. You know, something that had you had at 14, 15, 16, 17 would have been a huge benefit for you. Oh, my life would have been so different. It would have completely changed everything about your life. Because if a young girl were to come to my center and say, my child does not have milk, we would provide milk Absolutely. So... In a way, I get to be Kerman's Terry. Yes. <laughs> Never thought about that before, but That's yeah. so cool. You get to be the, you get to also be the voice that says you can. Yeah. Kerman Care Center is the voice that says Absolutely. you can. I tell them that 
Yep. Every day. You can change your life. You can make better mm-hmm. choices. You can excel. You can succeed. You can love your children. You can yeah. parent this baby that you're surprised that you're <clears throat> going to be expecting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are, there are so many things that God uses in our lives. And he uses those personal journey moments for us mm-hmm. to help somebody else down the road. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for... Terry stepping into your life and and being that support and then later on you being in Terry's life and Mm -hmm. helping her with that support and Mm -hmm. now being able to pay it forward to the young girls and families that come into the center here in Kerman. It's such a cool thing. And by the way, it's a nonprofit. If you want to give, please get a hold of me and I promise I will make sure these donations get directly 100% to Maria here for the center because... This place is awesome, and I know because a few years ago, I was the director. I was sitting in Maria's chair and paying it forward, and now I get to do other things through our community, but I love the mission of what this speaks, life into other people's lives. I love it. There's so much healing and helping. Yes, absolutely. I've healed so much being able to help other women. Yeah, sharing your story is like breathing life into somebody else's brokenness. Yeah. And I, I and love that. Mine is like so like like what? <laughs> you know, people often feel like oh, like okay, so mine is not that if you can get through what you went through, yeah. then I know that I can get through what I'm I'm Absolutely. going through. And so Absolutely. I just I love it. I love getting to do what I do. Well, I love that you shared your story with us today. I There were tears. You can't see them. Maybe you heard them, but they were here. <laughs> Even my eyes welled up, and I've already heard this story. <laughs> and it still gets me because the greatness of God just shines through your life. Like the way that you love people so openly, the way that you give to them, the way that you um, respect people. And it doesn't matter what their position is. You're not looking down at anybody. And I've noticed that about you, and I appreciate that about you. So um, I hope that you were encouraged. I was encouraged. If you weren't, you weren't listening hard enough. So (laughs) Rewind. That's right. (laughs) Rewind and listen all over again. Hit play again. So be encouraged today and know that you can. You can. I'll catch you next time.